for me to listen to. Uh, that was the favorite song of my son-in-law who died of cancer at 23. And all of the, for the two and a half years as he was dying, that song he held on to. He, he first heard it from uh, his uh, original assistant pastor when he was in high school, uh, Mike Clark, uh, sang it. But uh, I never saw a young man that, that he loved the song, but he lived it. He just said, God has been good in my life. I've been blessed beyond measure. And he kept saying that while he died of cancer. God's been good in my life. You know, we ought to be able to say that. Amen? God's been good in our life. You say, you don't know what I've gone through. I doubt it's much more serious than a young man dying of cancer. Um, when he had massive blisters on his back, when he did radiation on him, just trying anything at the end, and he was in such severe pain, he would still listen and sing that song, God's been good in my life. Well, I want you to go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I uh, uh, hope this is a, a, a blessing to you. We're going to go through it and just kind of jump into it really quickly this, this morning. Romans chapter 12. We're going through the book of Romans on Wednesday night, but, uh, and I almost kind of shoved this to the side, but it just, uh, I kind of... I just pray, and as the Lord brings things into my mind, I, I just tell him, okay, if that's what you want me to do, that's what we're going to do. And, and so that's where we are. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, if you look at it, it says this. It says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I pray that this, this passage of Scripture will become alive to us this morning. Lord, that we will see it, we will understand it, and Lord, that that Calvary Baptist Church would, would desire to live it, that this would be who we are, that we'd be who we'd be known for when people enter our door, when they come in visiting with us, that they would walk out, and whether they could quote this passage or uh, really see it, but this was really what they would say, this is what we feel once we've been there. Lord, I pray, please, please, Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to Thee and I ask You to guide my mind and my thoughts this morning. Protect us. Put your arms around us, please. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, it would be my hope and dream that, that uh, I shouldn't think this way, but I was driving by uh, a church the other day, and you know, like our sign out here, they had, they had a sign, and it, it was still up from, from Easter, and it just caught me kind of off guard. It's a sign right in front of the church, and it says, He is not here. He is risen. And I thought, well, I hope nobody takes the he is risen off because you, that's a terrible testimony for a church. He is not here. And so I hope that's not us. I hope we understand that he is here, amen, and that he will be here. Now, a great way, we're going to talk about how he can be here. And we feel like, okay, we want his spirit here. Yes, we do. You don't know how much I plead that God's Holy Spirit will guide and direct everything that's said or done here. It's my number one prayer for our church that God will guide and direct everything that we say and do here. But today we want to look at, a, I believe, one of the great 
passages of the Bible, of the New Testament, and this little, little three or four verse uh, passage that we're going to look at. We saw uh, the great commandment recently. We kind of uh, spoke about, you know, what is the greatest commandment in which Jesus said to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And we talked about that here recently. And, and uh, we also saw that the second great commandment, the one like unto the greatest commandment, is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, what we're going to do this morning is we want to take a look at this passage of Scripture, because I believe today in this passage of Scripture is where God instructs us how to love our neighbor. This is, a, this is an instruction passage. This is where God's going to tell us how to love our neighbor. Now, He tells us that we, that's the great, uh, the second greatest commandment, or it really it says it's like unto it. Uh, the second is this. And so, it, it, this is such an important commandment. Uh, that we love our neighbor. So many times, listen, so many times we recognize a command without truly knowing how to fulfill the command. We see a command. Now, some things are really simple. Thou shalt not steal, then we ought to understand that we shouldn't steal. Of course, now, you know, sometimes we, we kind of battle over what is really stealing. And so, uh, you know, when I went to work at, uh, up in a, a, a sporting goods store up in Indiana as a, a planes clothes detective, they called it, uh, and so all I did was walk around and catch shoplifters. But, the, uh, uh, but, you know, I asked him, I said, who do you really want me to stop? And the owner looked at me and he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, I mean, I've, I've been in different businesses, different things. And I said, people got different philosophies. Uh, how much, you know, how big of an item does it need to be? And this fellow looked at me and he said, one penny. And he said, because stealing is stealing. And I said, okay, man, you'll get along. Because I see stealing, I'm going to want to stop it. I don't care what it is. I took 10 stitches right here. I'll show it to you sometime. Uh, 10 stitches in my lip from a guy who stole a $1.14 wristband. That's it. $1.14 wristband. And, uh, and I, I took him, and he, he bolted at the door, and I chased him across the parking lot for about a quarter of a mile. And uh, he thought I was a bald-headed old white guy, and I'd not be able to run. And so, but I, I outran him, and I caught him from behind, and, but right when I caught him, I never seen anybody do this before in my life. He spun, while we were running, he spun, and he kneed me in the mouth. That was bad. And watch this, folks. That made me mad. And I dropped to my knees, and blood gushing out of my mouth. I didn't know what had happened, but I dropped to my knees, and I, and I know he thought, well, he's done, you know. And I, but I jumped back up, and this time I caught him quietly. And I caught him from behind and drove him face first into the pavement. You say, is that what a preacher is supposed to do? I don't know about other preachers, but that's what this one does. And so, <laughs> but, but he doesn't need me in the mouth, folks. And so, but I, I did, and, and, uh, and I pulled his arm behind him back there, and I grabbed him by the head, and I pulled my knee behind his head, and I held him there, and I was spitting blood in the back of his head. And so, uh, and I, I said, I said, knee me again, man. And uh, now, what I found out was he was a karate instructor. Uh, and so, uh, that's not the kind of guy you really want to chase down. So, but, you know, a dollar and 14 cent wristband, 10 stitches in my lip. But it was stealing, stealing, stealing. Now, 
Here's what, no, so many times we recognize a command without truly knowing how to fulfill this command, but this command, God gives us wonderful instructions. First, uh, love and action. This is the first thing God's going to show us here in his passage, that love is not a word, it's an action. Okay, you know what, I, I, since I've been here and I'm thrilled about it, I hope it always be the most common thing that I've gotten from visitors who have come here who have said they feel loved. They feel loved. You know what? That didn't happen because everybody just stood in here and said, I love you. That doesn't happen. That's not enough. That's not enough just to, just to say, hey, we put out our sign. We love you. And then when you walk in here, we're like, hey, sure glad you're here. Love you. No, that's not it. You got to, love is an action, amen. Love is doing something for somebody. Love's finding a need and trying to fill that need. And I'm going to say it because I don't care if she likes it or not. But Miss Kim back here has been such a blessing to me because there are people that come in my doors here that have a great need that I can't fulfill. But you know what God did? If you want to meet needs, God will send you people that will help you meet those needs. Now, you know, okay, Ms. Lynn back there, just everybody take a look, look back, look back there, Ms. Lynn. Watch this now. That woman has gone nonstop to demonstrate her love to Lois and Cecil, Lola and Cecil. That, that, because love is an action, that's what it's going to say. It says, let love be without dissimulation. You know what that is? That, we're commanded, he says, abhor, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. We're commanded to love our neighbor, and our neighbor is anyone with whom we come in contact. You know, some of you, who's my neighbor? That's what they ask Jesus. Who's my neighbor? That's anybody you come in contact with. You know who? That's anybody in this room right now. That's your neighbor. Anyone with whom we have an influence. Watch that. You know, if we can help somebody, if we can have a positive influence over somebody, that's my neighbor. And then you know what? Everybody in this room, before they walk out of here, you can encourage them. Amen. You can. You could encourage everybody in this room. If some of you are smiling right now, encourage me. <laughs> Encur- you could be a blessing to somebody right now. Did you know that? Look, you could, you could be an encouragement to somebody right now. Look at this. Look at this. I don't want to give you one. <laughs> Does that encourage you? A little bit. Amen. It didn't me. Hey, look, it's missionaries. Amen? They probably live on the road. You say, what'd you just give them? I didn't give them the four ones. I don't have any money, folks. But, to, but it encouraged me if you gave me some money. But love is that, and we're supposed to be doing something to show that love. How do we love? Without dissimulation. That means without hypocrisy. And, and when we say, and the Lord, we're not going to go into this right here, but, but if you say you love somebody, but you don't want to try to meet the need that they have, I'm not saying you can meet every need everybody's had, because, man, they'll throw so many needs at you uh, that you'll just be overwhelmed. But if you can meet a legitimate need, you ought to want to try, right? Yeah. And everybody in here is thinking, I wish you'd pull some more money out and hand it to me. <laughs> Only reason I had that is because I washed my blue jeans, and th- that came out in the dryer, and I... <laughs> You say, what'd you do? I washed them again. <laughs> so, so uh, 
He says, without dissimulation, without hypocrisy, don't be fake. Without dissimulation is to love in sincerity. I want to say again, look, you don't, you don't just go for months and months and months and months like Miss Lynn's been doing without it being sincere. You do it for a day or two, and you, and, you, and you make sure everybody knows you're doing it. She's probably right now going, Brother Hooker, would you shut up? <laughs> well, no, I'm not. All right. Love by nature is unselfish and sacrificial. How do we love? Well, one of the ways that God says for love is what we abhor or we hate that which is evil. This passage is here is, a, is about relationships. This evil is being derelict, being vicious, or doing harm to someone else. And God says, if you're going to love somebody, then you're not going to harm somebody. So watch, it's very important that we don't hurt people. It's very important that we're careful the way we speak to each other. It's very important, watch, and I'm as bad as any, it's very important that, that everybody understands when I'm being sarcastic and humorous that I'm really being sarcastic and humorous. You know, if I ever look at you and say, you knucklehead, you stupid, I don't really mean that. It just, that's just what I thought when I looked at Jay. And so, no. No, I'm not trying to hurt Jay. I'm not trying to do anything. Now, and you say, well, why do you do that to him? Because he laughs and he understands that I love him. But watch this. There's some people that, that I may say something like that to, and they don't know me that well, or that it just hurts them. When I recognize that, i got to be careful of that. i got to be careful what I say around people. You know, not, if some, I'm going to just say, if somebody walks in the door brand new, we got several visitors in this morning, probably they're not the one for me to, he's probably, uh, Alvin's not the guy for me to walk up and go, oh, you knucklehead and you're stupid. He's probably, uh, please, I didn't mean that. Okay. He's probably not, because he doesn't know me. He's thinking, what's this guy saying to me? I'm not coming back to that church. Look, listen to what he said to me. We got to be careful. Use wisdom and not evil toward people. And so he says, hurting others maliciously, even irresponsibly, bringing hurt and harm is not love. You lose your temper and you say something to hurt somebody. And you know what? Watch this. Sometimes it feels real good to hurt somebody that's hurt you. But that feeling's not going to last very long. Not if you're a Christian. Not if you understand that you're supposed to love them. All of a sudden, what you said, it just starts eating you up. What you did. And so we're not supposed to. Love understands how important it is that it is demonstrated sincerely and consistently. You know, love, to be true love, has to be consistent love. Cleave to that which is good. That means, again, remember this passage about relationship. True love attaches itself. It glues itself to good. Uh, but more, the doing of good. True love is, is, is like true love and good works are just glued together. True love is going to always respond to people by doing something good and positive, encouraging toward them. That's what true love is. And who am I supposed to do it to? Just to my best friend? No, my neighbor. My neighbor is anybody that I have influence over. Anybody that I come in contact with, I'm supposed to try to make their day a little bit better. I'm, I'm supposed to make their day a little bit gooder. Amen? I'm look, that means anywhere and everywhere. We don't 
as a Christian, you don't have to go to the, the, to the gas station all sullen up. You don't have to go walk up and, and, and you know, just never. You can be kind to everybody. You can encourage everybody. Everybody ought to feel better because you walked away. No, that didn't sound right. <laughs> I ought to plan what I say a little better than that. All right. So, love is an action, not a word. True love is actively seeking and doing good for others and to others. Love in action toward all people, our neighbors. We need that. Love ought to be in action. We need to love each other. We, we need to bring happiness to, to people's hearts. And, and I, I really, I, I thoroughly love it when I go to to uh, the store. And when I, uh, there was a guy last night, we had to go get dog food for my massive animal. And, and so uh, uh, we, we went and I was trying to find the same dog food. And there was a, a young man there, it was a stock, stock in it. And, and, and I really, I can find the dog food, but I just walked up and I said, hey buddy, uh, uh, could you know where the Purina, uh, whatever it is, and, you know, and, and uh, no, it wasn't. Kibbles, kibbles and bits, that's it. Kibbles and bits, beef, beef, kibbles and bits. And so I said, you know where it is? And he said, sure. And I knew he did because he's stocking the stuff. And so, and, and, and uh, I said, could you show it to him? He walks down and I said, and, and he showed me. And I said, hey, man, thanks. I said, That's, you did a great job. I sure appreciate it. He just smiled. He said, man, you know, uh, you're a nice guy. And I said, yeah, you're a great guy too because you showed me where the kibbles and bits is. You know what? I'm just trying to play. I'm just trying to encourage him. I'm just trying to, you know, he's out here half the night working at Walmart. Bless God, he's probably got troubles and trials. But I want somebody to uplift him. That's what we're supposed to do, uplift each other. Now, number two, uh, look at this. God addresses the physical family, though, too. Physical family and the spiritual family. Look at, at verse 10. Look at verse 10. And be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. If you study, well, we'll just take a quick look at kindly affection. Here's the definition of kindly affection. The mutual love of parents and children. And wives and husbands loving affection, loving tenderly. Primarily, this is talking about reciprocal tenderness and love of parents and children. That's what these words are about, kindly affection. You know what? God's passing from your neighbor to your neighbor. You understand? He's going, he's saying, you do this, you love in sincerity your, your neighbor, everybody you come in contact with, but watch, he's going to come down to specifics. You know when we really, he said, watch, don't forget to love at home. Don't forget to love each other in your home. Don't forget to be, well, look what he says, be kindly affectioned with brotherly love. It says with brotherly love, the love of a physical brother and sisters, but also brothers and sisters in Christ. God's talking about our church family. He's talking about your physical family. He's talking about these are the people that you really are close to. Do you really love how do we love our family neighbor? He, and we'll look at this now. He says, but we do this by in honor preferring one another. You see what that's saying? He's saying when it comes to your family, when it comes to your husband, when it comes to your wife, you ought to prefer them above yourself. Prefer you, their desires above yours. 
prefer their needs above yours. How are we doing? We could solve all these marriage issues if we just, if everybody just started saying, it's not about me, it's about them. No, you say, well, that's what I believe. It's all about them. They cause all the problem. No, it ought to be, I want to live for them. My decisions for them. I want what's best for them. I want to meet their needs. I want to, it just be, ta- and that's what God says. He says, in honor, preferring one another. You see, you see, God says to love your family, you, that word honor means you esteem them, especially of the highest degree, it says. You need to have the highest degree of esteem and love for that family. You honor them. They are precious to you. They are above any price that must be paid to love and care for them. You, you're, you're willing. What is, what, do you have a possession that's more important than somebody lives in your home? I, I read one time, and it's been several years ago, where, where there was uh, a, a young person that, that they gave them a choice, and they were doing kind of like a survey thing, and it was a young person, and they were saying, uh, you can have your cell phone or you can have your mom. But one of them you've got to lose. And this young person chose to lose his mom over the cell phone. Well, that's, you think that's crazy. That's the society we live in. We move from, from the family to the intimate relationship, uh, the intimate relationship to the casual relationship. Our na- neighbor that we happen to meet across their path in business, shopping, gas station, wherever. In verse 11, he says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We move to, to a love of all men by the way we serve them as we serve the Lord. What God's telling us here is that, is that how we live and treat other people, being not slothful in business. You know what, you know what uh, uh, but the reason you aren't traveling all over the country, I believe, and, and putting in windows is because when you go put in windows, you're doing it the way a Christian should do it. You're doing it as a neighbor should do it. And you know what that, that means? You're doing it to the best you can do. You're not slothful in business. You're doing it right. You're, they're doing it right. You know what? So they're staying busy. They're having to go here, there, and put in, and they're doing this business. And, and, and I believe that that's what God's saying. He's saying being fervent in business because you are affecting your neighbor. Your neighbor just paid you to do that. Your neighbor just asked you to perform this task. You ought to work hard in doing that. He says fervent in spirit, fervent in spirit. God wants us to be hot about this. God wants us to be intense about doing things rightly by this. He says, serving the Lord. Because as we serve our neighbor, we are serving the Lord. Matthew chapter 25, verse 43 through 46 says, I was a stranger and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, and in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not uh, to the, uh, one, of, uh, one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away. And the, the fact is, is the Lord teaches us that, that when you do for somebody, you're doing it for him. 
not slothful in business, the business of serving God by serving others. God says to be diligent and intense, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We should get busy for God, but we do that by loving our neighbor actively, fervently, working to see them grow in the Lord so that they will serve the Lord by helping others also. You know, it's that thing of pass it on. You just, you just pay it forward. Uh, if you do something for somebody else, that may just touch their heart for them to do something for somebody else. Now, you know, just, just a little silent note, this is kind of why I always, and I, and I did this morning of all times, but I, I, you know, virtually every service I'll announce that at 10 o'clock Saturday morning we have a breakfast and what we're doing, trying to make it as comfortable and easy as you possibly can for anybody to come out. And what are we going to do? We're going to go out and try to not be slothful and we're going to try to be fervent about trying to help other people find the Lord so that they might help other people. Now, God quantifies our love. And at the beginning of all this, he qualified our love. Now he quantifies it. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, he says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. How long do I continue to love by serving people? I must keep on keeping on. There is no time limit. There's no spot where, okay, they've crossed the line. I don't have to do it anymore. Rejoicing in hope of changed lives and in hope of his return. I must be patient as I and others go through the trials of life and keep the faith for true love never fails. Did you understand it? True love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, true love never fails. I must continue constantly and consistently in prayer for my neighbor as he goes through his trials of life. And then finally, it says, verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Now, this is where God brings it all down, and he says, okay, if you really want to love, here's what you got to do. You got to be unselfish, and you got to give, be willing to give to the necessity of the saints. Okay, this never happens... And a matter of fact, it didn't happen this time either. I was, uh, I was going to, I thought I had money in there. <laughs> I never have money and I thought I had some money in there. Joe Beth, do you get my wallet? No, okay, sure. Uh, but you know what? Distributing to the necessity of the saints means looking for the need and doing something about it. Anybody got a need this morning? Now, the truth is, if we weren't all embarrassed, every one of us would go, oh, yeah. Okay, let me ask it this way. Everybody got more money than you need? Anybody got more money than you need? Raise your hand if you have more money than you need. Okay, then watch this. Could you use a little more? Yeah, you could. Okay, so could, if you could use a little more, could you raise your hand? That means that I could go around this room, and if I had money, I could distribute it to the saints because they have a need. Now, honestly, it's talking about usually greater need than just, hey, I want more money. There's some people, there's some people maybe today that if they go home today, there's not much in the refrigerator. Somebody may be sitting here right like that, and, 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 and I'll just say that's why we have a food bank here. And we love to see people get saved through the food bank, but more than that, if they're already saved, we still love the fact that we can help them have something to eat today, okay? Distributing to the necessity of the saints. But then it says, given to hospitality. And you know what that is? It's a requirement for the pastor, for the preacher. And I'm blessed beyond measure that I grew up in a home 
Uh, I didn't grow up in a, a preacher's home, but I grew up in a home that was given to hospitality. So it taught me that. Then I was blessed with a wife who was given to hospitality. You say, what does given to hospitality mean? You mean just uh, uh, she likes to serve and cook? and cl-? No, given to hospitality. Listen, given to hospitality means entertaining strangers. That means the person you've never seen before, you say, let me help you. Or let me go past helping you. Come to my house. Sit down at my table. Have a meal with us. Because entertaining doesn't mean, da, 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 da. That doesn't mean entertaining. Okay. Entertaining means meeting their needs caring for them, loving them. Hey, Calvary, it's one thing to, to love somebody who lives in the house with you. It's one thing to love people that you interact with and you kind of know them. But what, are we going to truly love those when they walk in the door for the first time? Love the stranger. Hello? This is the first time Brother Roy's ever been here, right? Now look, folks, there ain't nobody any stranger in him. No. Now this is a, the truth is we need to meet his need. We need to look at him and say, need something to eat today? Want to come to my house? I'm not asking you that, but no. No, the truth is, I can tell you this. I, she'll, she'll do it. I don't even know what we got. I'm not sure what we got even things planned. But if you're not eating someplace, come on. If you're not eating someplace, come on. Because that's what God says, to entertain strangers. He said, he said to really love people, it's, it's kind of extreme. It goes past the normal thought processes. Okay. Tonight, I'm falling apart. Lost a belt loop, I think. Now, it's not about selfishly hoarding what I have, but understanding that all I have is given to me by God. Did you know that everything you've got, God gave it? And meeting the needs of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Who is the neighbor that, uh, that whose needs we must strive to meet? He's often a stranger. Given to hospitality, he's entertained strangers. And, and time's up. But I'm going to give you this one illustration. I, I want you to listen to this. I, I read this just recently. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I sat there and teared up while I read it. What it did to my heart. As I read this illustration, it wasn't. I kind of reworded it, but a young Marine entered into a hospital. And he was in uniform as he walked down the hall. A a nurse saw him and immediately directed him to the room where his father was dying from a heart attack. They were waiting on this Marine to arrive. As he entered the room, the father barely opened his eyes. And he was looking through an oxygen tent 
So even though he could barely see, he could really see very little except that he could apparently see the military garb. The man reached his hand out from the tent and that young Marine grabbed hold of that hand and he sat beside the bed all night long. Virtually never said anything. He just held and he caressed very tenderly his father's hand. In the early morning hours, that hand grew limp and the Marine knew that, it's, that he'd, he'd gone on, that he had died. He went to the nurse and he instructed the nurses for they knew that they needed to do what they must do to handle things. So they came in and he stood to the side as the nurses did what they had to do to pronounce him that he had passed away. And the nurse turned to them, the young Marine said to him, so I'm so glad that you made it in time for your father. And the young Marine said, that wasn't my father. She said, I don't understand. Why did you sit with him all night if that's not your father? The young Marine said, because it seemed apparent that this man needed his son and his son just wasn't here. So I held his hand all night long because he needed to hold his son's hand. She said, then why are you here? He said, I was sent to let someone in your hospital, a patient in your hospital, a Mr. William Gray, know that his son died in combat. And I was sent here to notify him that his son was killed in action. She said, who is the man? He said, his name is Mr. William Gray. And the story says as the nurse almost went pale and shocked, she looked at him and said, sir, the man whose hand you held is Mr. William Gray. That man was waiting for his son to come home from the rings. But his son was not going to come. He was going to go meet his son. As I read that, I thought, that's love. That's what God's talking about. He's a stranger. And this young man didn't sit for a few minutes. He didn't take an hour of his night. He sat and held the hand of a stranger. Gently caressing that hand and holding that hand until that man went into eternity. That's love, folks. That's the love that God's talking about. And you know, that's the love that God sent to us. Jesus came. And many of us, we didn't know him. 
but he loved us. Many of us, we even rejected him, but he loved us. And can I tell you, he loved us so much, he was willing to die for us. And we weren't strangers to him in that sense, but we were estranged from him. But he loved us enough to die for us, to die in our place, because that's our only hope. There is no eternity. Oh, there is. Let me take that back. There's eternal death without him. But he paid the debt that we owe. And he offers it to us as a free gift. Will we receive the love that he has for us? And when we receive that love that he has for us, can I just ask you, will we really truly love each other? Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you.